Welcome to the Bellingham Podcast for the week of March 15th, 2020. This is episode 148. Broadcasting to you from the northwest of the northwest since 2016, I am Chris Powell. And sitting nearby, the bringer of bombast, never one to lambast, nor outclassed by any vast iconoclast, steadfast in the last blast of flabbergast, this show will not be telecast. Unsurpassed in the world of podcast, he's your friend of mine, Mr. A.J. Barsay. So AJ, for the love of all whom have amassed for this broadcast, tell them how you're feeling. I've got nothing. <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I got my cast on, if you will. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm overcasted on that one. You know, we've spent the past couple episodes uh, dealing in the in the in the grief, the sorrow, the sadness of current affairs yes. uh, around society. And uh, while we're not going to talk about that right now, no. we got a happy episode Let's coming your get way. Happy, indeed. Uh, this is a. Uh, it's a chance to uh, continue our community connections conversation series. Just like the cast of the overcast of the mighty cast of the what you're you're alliteration. Whatever the heck I just blabbed. Who up. who do we got on the show today? This time we have a very special uh, interviewee. We have a financial advisor here in Whatcom County. Her oh, name. Oh man, this is gonna be a boring one. Financial advising. Oh, Not, I mean, where's oh, no. the levity? Oh no, oh, I got your levity in oh, s- in spades. Oh, oh yeah, okay, okay. Um, I had the opportunity, the privilege, the honor of sitting down with Shannon Day. Oh, hi, Shannon. Yes, indeed. Uh, Shannon is a financial advisor here in Bellingham, Whatcom County. She's also a well-known entertainer around this area, and she has many hats, two of whom I just mentioned. This, now while, make no mistake, uh, listeners of the Bellingham Podcast, I love all of my interviews for the Community Connections Conversation Colloquium. Uh, (laughs) Co-op. Co-op equally, I love them all equally, but I gotta, sh- I gotta shoot straight with you. Uh, I have never been so matched with wits, ma- a matching of wits, lambasted. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, with Shannon uh, in this interview, she is incredibly quick on her feet. She's incredibly well spoken and incredibly genuine, and w- has a lot of insights involving the financial uh, side of life and also the human side of life. Totally. So. AJ, let me ask you a question. I'll give you an answer. <laughs> Way back in, it was at the 90s or so, yeah. and you're a little kiddo. Did yeah. you ever watch the TV show Pee-wee's Playhouse? Yes, I did. There was They always had a secret word. Totally. And which everyone would go berserk yep. if that secret word was uh, uttered. Revealed. Revealed. If uh, okay, So the, the secret phrase for this episode is Daisy Picklehoffer. Bust out your Dakota rings, folks. Lis- listeners, if you hear the phrase Daisy Picklehoffer. Drink. I want, <laughs> not, just, not just drink, but I want you to scream, yell, cheer, whatever have you, wherever you're at listening to this show. With that in mind, let's go to the interview with Shannon Day. Well, Shannon Day, financial advisor here in Bellingham, thank you so much for joining us on the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I, in doing research and preparation for our interview, you have many hats. I do, and I look pretty good in most of them. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll, we'll focus on the ones in which you look good, and we'll right. avoid the ones that may not be as flattering. Yes. Uh, I want to start off getting to know Shannon, the financial advisor. Yes. Okay. So in doing some research, I noticed you've been a professional in the financial sector for about, uh, what, 16 years? or A little over 20 years, actually. I Two decades. Started, yeah, I started banking on my 25th birthday. What what a wonderful way to start off uh, the quarter uh, decade or yes. quarter century. Quarter century. Yes. yes. Um, in this 20-some years, mm-hmm. uh, since you're 29. Yes, exactly, uh, and a half. And uh, 29 and a half, yes. How have you seen the financial sector change from 
if we were to go back 20 years, that would probably be the turn of the millennium. Mm -hmm. How's things changed in your perspective from back then till now? Uh, I think a lot of it is coming from a banking background. We saw people that were, um, you had to do everything in front of a teller. They were very hands on Mm -hmm. with walking into your bank. You knew your banker. You stayed with your bank from the time that you were first job through retirement. Um, and, and it's turned into that self banking. Um, I still love that people go in. You know, if I go into to my bank that was the bank that I worked at for a long time here in Bellingham, I walk in and I still get, hey, Shannon. I'm like, you know, as part of that relationship, mm-hmm. absolutely. Is part of that that service piece because those people have to learn? Absolutely. But when I'm then working at another bank that I deal with and I'm only an online presence there and I call up with a problem, I still love that I get, hey, Shannon, because they can see my phone number dialing in or whatever that is. Um, so... I think that the customer side of the, of the piece has really turned to more, they want solutions before they know they have a problem. Um, we as consumers like ease of mm-hmm. access. True. We also need ease of access. It's not just, I want it to be easy. It's that I need it to be easy. My life is already complicated. Make these give me the streamlined answers. Very good. Very good. Speaking of your uh, customers in checking out some of your uh, accomplishments, you really cater to uh, socially conscious investing. Now, I'm not really uh, in-depth in the financial sector, but I have a stereotype, and please correct me if I'm incorrect on this. One's mission as a financial advisor is to maximize clients' profits. As you would have this potential, you know, how would you balance that requests that clients want with socially conscious uh, solutions or research vehicles that may not provide the greatest return on investment versus others that may not be as socially conscious? Right. It's a great question and it's and it's a great problem to have. It really is. Um, the biggest thing for me when working with my clients is I want to know what their goals and their plans are. It's important to me to be able to address that for folks because if your biggest concern is do no harm to the environment, well, then that's going to be top number one. If your biggest concern is maximize my returns, well, then that's going to be top number one. We're going to try to figure out what the priorities are for for you. And then take them as best we can. We're going to make the best decision that we can on the day that we're faced with that question and then adjust it as is as is needed down the road. Because sometimes it's going to be the choices we make are great choices. And then sometimes we're going to go, wow, had I known then what I know now, wouldn't have made that choice. Sure. Like I tell people, I will absolutely help you to drive the car, but you and I are going to build it together. We're going to figure out what those needs are for you. Because if you don't need a convertible, why are we going to get you a convertible? If you need a 17, you know, passenger minivan, Mm -hmm. then that's what we're going to get you. Sounds like you don't have a set plan or an an agenda of Mm. pushing a particular product, for lack of a better term. No cookie cutter approach for me. I very much like to create tailored solutions for my clients. Very good. And it's fun. I love that part of it because it lets me say to people, I always, I always use this, this example. You could be the same person that sits down in the chair next time. Could be the same, all of the same demographic pieces. And you could be the guy that says, I love companies that have blue logos. And the guy that sits in the chair the next time with the same income and same age and same goals and everything else, he loves companies with orange logos. Well, so then I'm going to tailor your blue orange or your blue logo company for you. And I'm going to tailor his orange logo company for him because that's, that's the joy of being able to do this. Certainly. It's uh, from a tech standpoint where I live. Some people are diehard Microsoft Windows people Mm -hmm. and some people love Apple. Absolutely. And you you can't be able to uh, force that 
Apple Pig in that Windows in uh, that slot. Windows Something round, like yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So I, I like to pose a hypothetical to you. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm a new client of yours, and uh, I don't have Jeff Bezos money. Uh, let's go rob him. Okay, well, we'll, uh, go, we'll go roll them in the parking lot. Let, let, let's let's talk about the plan after uh, after okay, we're done interview. Cool. So I have a couple of kiddos. Yep. Uh, currently, I'm renting a place here in Bellingham. Yep. Uh, have a car payment and some credit card balances, and and I'm barely making ends meet. Yep. Um, I'm looking at about maybe a thousand dollars coming back in the tax return. Awesome. In the next couple months, where would you? Since we're at a, a social engagement, and of course, you're when people know you're a financial advisor, you're often asked for free advice. Absolutely. For this hypothetical, where would you suggest knowing this situation mm -hmm. where I should put that thousand dollars? Oh, I want you to have an emergency fund. Oh. I want you to have an emergency fund first because I want you to make sure that if that car is driving down the freeway and you go over that bag of nails that fell off of that truck in front of you and all four of your tires need to be replaced, that that is not going to cause you a problem, that you can deal with that, that emergency. It's not catastrophe, it's emergency mm -hmm. that gets us into trouble. You said a little bit of credit card debt, great, let's get a plan to get a lot less credit card debt. And then let's start talking about insurance, let's start talking about retirement, let's start talking about those kiddos getting through um, whatever their higher level of education, mm -hmm. if any, is. Let's start talking about the choices that you want to make in the future. I always talk about planning for future me. Mm -hmm. Future Shannon, I am so taking care of her right now. She's going to love me when she gets here. We're going to talk about future Chris and his family and those kiddos and that rental so that when the opportunity comes up to become a, an owner, when the opportunity comes up for those kids to go to maybe camp, maybe not mm -hmm. university, that you've got that all in place. Future Chris is really pleased for your advice uh, on that. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about Shannon, the entertainer. Yes. Par excellence. Um, so back in the 80s, I grew up watching the Brady Bunch mm -hmm. on syndicated TV. Mm -hmm. And middle kid Peter, there was one episode where he was trying out other personalities. And he came into the kitchen and he's like, what you cooking, Alice? He was imitating Humphrey Bogart, you know, pork chops and apple shosh. Uh, I learned at an early age, if I can make people laugh, then I would have the illusion that they would like me. Mm -hmm. uh, Shannon, was there an event in your life that set you on the trajectory of entertaining people uh, as a top-notch event MC and uh, led to a previous season uh, at the Upfront Theater in, here in Bellingham? So, what started it all? So I have an answer for you on this one. Yes. You haven't searched far enough back into the deep, dark dregs of Shannon's history to know that I was a professional clown. Really? At 13 years old, my family moved from, I grew up in central interior of British Columbia. Okay. We moved from Prince George down to the coast where my family is now in Aldergrove. And um, the you know how the refrigerator with the magnets, that's kind of the center of communication in, oh, yes. in the family? Yes. My mom had pulled this article out of the paper and I had read it. I didn't think anything of it because I'm 13 and I'm 13. Mm -hmm. Mom pulled it out and stuck it on the fridge. And it was this guy and his five, four or five-year-old son are a clown troupe what it's called mm -hmm. and they're looking for clowns and I'm like well that's what I should do because I was a very shy kid mm. very quiet very introverted happier with my nose in a book than socializing or anything and I started clowning and clowning was magic for me because it put Shannon behind that mask behind that safety net mm -hmm. I'm six feet tall and I have a deep voice and I always have so if you listen and you look you can think about who I am but if not Shanny, or as she later became Daisy Picklehoffer, Daisy was oh, my oh, safety oh, I'm net. sorry, hold on. Yeah. Daisy Picklehoffer. <laughs> Daisy Picklehoffer. I just want to make sure that for those captioning this, mm -hmm. it was Daisy Picklehoffer. That's awesome. Picklehoffer, low German. <laughs> okay, sounds yes. good. My little brother's name was Dill. 
Dill Picklehoffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, both of you were sweet. Oh, absolutely. Very good. Absolutely. So you were a clown yeah. in your teenage years. Yeah. And that gave me, I did that through university, actually. I went through university on working as a clown. It gave me a, a sense of being able to have that safety of if there was something that I did in clown, I wasn't going to get called out on it later. Mm. So if I was vulnerable, if I was, uh, the clown's always the butt of the joke. Yeah. The kids always win. The clowns always lose. The, there was never a moment where I was mm-hmm. going to fail that. It was going to be Daisy that failed that. And um, I started doing stage magic. I did a season of um, Full Illusion Stage Magic with a partner up in Vancouver. All right. And um, and that was when I was coming on stage as myself. And I realized that I had an ability to go out there and truly entertain people. And there's nothing as wonderful as hearing people laugh or hearing people applaud when you want them to laugh and you want them to applaud and knowing that they're engaged with you. Uh, I, I was in attendance in a number of those laughter moments and applause moments as you were one of the superstars of the Upfront Theater back uh, a, a couple of years ago uh, during your season. Like many people in attendance at the upfront, uh, there were times when I thought, yeah, I could do that. And then reality usually sets in and I realize I probably faceplant in front of a whole room full of people. Um, I'd love to learn your perspective uh, being on the performer side and kind of what you were discussing as far as the full illusion thing. But let's talk about maybe improv comedy because upfront is really so popular. So good. How, uh, what lessons do you learn, have you learned along the way uh, from... Here, here I am acting as a clown, as another person, and maybe without makeup, mm-hmm. uh, with your full, with your real name. What lessons have you learned along the way that maybe have affected your business or your uh, professional life? Oh, uh, hopefully, hopefully more than I even know that I have. Okay. Um, one of the biggest things in improv is the the tenant is yes and that we want to take whatever reality is presented to us, fully agree with it, and then build on it. I realized in doing improv, and it it took me, it's a pretty thick skull you got to work with. It Mm -hmm. took me some time to get that, was that it is okay to accept what is the reality. It's okay to be okay with it. And then how do you build on it? Really simply. You don't have to throw a million things into the pile to get a really lovely piece. Um, It's some some of my favorite scenes that still stay with me are just simple and elegant and normal. They're an average, they're, they're the average bear's day. Mm-hmm. And when you get that really big laugh, it's because somebody related to you. Um, early on in improv, it was very much that turn on the filter. Well, I don't know that I ever had a filter between my brain and my mouth. So I had to go and, and learn about filters and research filters and analyze filters before I even bought a filter. Now that there's a filter between the brain and the mouth, I can see all the big chunks that get caught in that, and it makes me so happy to be able to say, what comes out of my mouth has had some thought put behind it the majority of the time. (laughs) Normally when we're with friends and we have a beverage in our hand, Mm -hmm. uh, the filter may not be there, and you can riff, and you can just go off. I'm imagining when you're in front of a a, a room full of people, maybe 100, 120 or so, uh, that you got to be somewhat conscious about what's going on. not going to, not everybody's going to relate to you and you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I can remember doing stand up one night and my stand up is very much me being a mid forties woman. This is what I know. This is the, mm-hmm. this is the only set of eyes I've ever been able to see things through. And I had a very young, um, mixed gender crowd and I started on my stand, my stand up set and nothing was landing, just nothing mm-hmm. was landing. And I'd done this set before and it was, it was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. 
And then I was talking about the Tony home perm. And it was the, your, your mom had a friend that had the curl rods and you'd put them in your hair and then they'd squeeze the solution on your hair. And once your scalp started burning, then you knew the perm was done. And this voice from the audience said, and the smell and I laughed. I'm like, and the smell. Well, if you're a kid that was born 1960, 1970s, you've been around a Tony Home perm. And this woman, for the next seven minutes that I had on stage, my whole set was for her. Mm. Because in a room of 100 people, yep. she got it. And it was that moment. I don't know who she is. She mm -hmm. was back behind the lights. I couldn't see her. But I hope she's happy wherever she is. Because she saved my tail that night and made me realize I can tailor myself to my crowd, but I can also allow my crowd to engage with sure. me. Sure. And yeah. if that Tony Home Perm Smell woman is listening to this, first of all, thank you. Second of all, Absolutely. you just you made you. a connection yes. with Shannon about yes. that. Yes. The Tony Home Perm, our, our, it was our Grammys would do it. And yeah, somebody had the pink rollers. I was, uh, when I was a, a young, uh, a little shaver, I was dragged by my mom to the beauty shop. Oh. And I, I have P, a little bit of PTSD on the smell uh, of the some of the perms. The perm solution. The, yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Mercifully, we don't have car fresheners like that right. uh, nowadays. But the Tony Perm freshener <laughs> tree. Um, let's let's talk about another area of your entertaining. Mm -hmm. That's a event MC, mm -hmm. uh, par excellence. And and there's an alleged uh, moniker that you're the voice of Lydia Place. I am the voice of Lydia Place. And last year, uh, for those of you who've listened to the show, I had the honor of interviewing Emily O'Connor, who's the executive director of Lydia Place. We had a fun conversation in Primer Coffee here in town. Um, as a voice of Lydia Place, what what was the impetus for you to uh, to invest and to say, you know what, this nonprofit matters. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to do what I can to help out in, in this community. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the first event that I went to, it was, I was done. Um, Emily had uh, just actually joined as the executive director. So my first event was, I, I, I had only known Emily in that role. Um, and I'm a guest at the event. Mm -hmm. And I was standing at the back of the room bidding on an item. The fellow that was emceeing it was doing a fine job. He mm -hmm. was doing a great job. Um, it was a smaller room and the uh, mom and the kiddo that had been interviewed as um, participants in the program mm -hmm. um, the kiddo was coming back from the bathroom and she had her I don't know who all was with her she had her grown-ups with her mm -hmm. but here's this maybe four-year-old and I knelt down on the floor and I said you did so good she had had a, a real moment of panic on stage and oh, couldn't sure. talk but I'm like you did so good all those people could I have a hug not can I give you a hug, but could I have a hug? Mm -hmm. Like, this kid's my hero right now. Well, this little kiddo comes up and just leans into me. She wraps her arms around me. I wrap my arms around her. My chest leaves my body. I'm mm -hmm. done. She owns it now. Yep. Um, and that's when I realized, she's a kid. She's, she's a child of four and a half years old. Her biggest concern should be, do I have the right orange crayon to color the orange thing in my coloring book? Not where my teddy's going to be because I don't know if I'm sleeping in the same bed tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, I looked at who she was and to be a child. Our job as her parent, her caregiver, her aunties and uncles, her community, her teachers, her professionals, all of us mm -hmm. as their adults could, to step it up. It's, I, I mean, for me, it's as simple as no more kids sleeping in cars. Yeah. We need to have these kiddos in 
that solution spot so that we truly can make these kids the last generation in their family that face homelessness. Well said. Um, I, I believe that, that connection you had as Auntie Shannon, albeit briefly, uh, that can be that can start your trajectory on a different path I for am, something like that. I am Auntie Shannon to everybody. There you I go. I really am. That is that is one thing I say it. I, I love you and there's not a darn thing you can do about uh-huh. it. It truly is. Um, I'm a big believer that there's something... Uh, as, as adult human beings, there is something in our responsibility that whatever you choose to take on is what you choose to take on, but that we can all, we can all do a little bit. We can all do a little bit. I, I put that pause in there for dramatic effect. Uh, well, well said. Um, in addition to Lydia Place, which is a fine uh, nonprofit here in the community, are there any other nonprofits or charities that you are a fan of with uh, Whatcom County that you uh, have had a connection with? Yeah, I've actually been really fortunate to work with a number of them um, and to attend events as well. Sometimes I go to the events and I just sit there going, oh, I want this event. <laughs> but being an attendee is also really helpful for mm-hmm. me so that I can become a better MC. Um, I love DB SAS. I love the work that they do. Uh, Whatcom Dispute Resolution Center is fantastic. Um, Northwest Youth Services, phenomenal, wonderful, wonderful group of people getting our, our young people um, the help and assistance they need. Um, I adore Whatcom Humane Society because it's those little voiceless ones. It's the kiddos and the animals. Yes. Um, I've been working with the Northwest Therapeutic Riding Center for a number of years now. Great team of people. Mm-hmm. They're giving uh, their their logo is, or I'm sorry, their motto is uh, giving a leg up to people of all abilities. So I am um, just met um, growing veterans last year. I'm a military spouse, mm-hmm. and they really spoke to me, and I would love to become more invested with them. So it's taking the people that are, are in vulnerable places yes. and giving them tools so that we can help them to be in better places. Wonderful. Yeah. I believe those are two hats that uh, are, are, are looking good for you, well, thank you. Uh, in this. So uh, I, I'm going to hit you with some hard questions okay. now, okay? Okay. Pop quiz. Uh, I always ask this. Is there a my... timer? We can set a timer. AJ, set the timer for a minute and a half. Tick, tick, tick. Uh, Shannon, what is your favorite place in Bellingham to enjoy a beverage? Go. Uh, Adult beverage. Black Cat Stone's Throw are two of my favorites. All right. Um, Yeah. How about a place for a bite to eat? Uh, I'm at Colophon at least once a week. Colophon oh. Cafe is my my comfort place. It is my safe place to land. All right. Uh, I was gluten free for a really long time, mm. and they took really good care of me for years and years. And then I did not have to be gluten free anymore. So now I go and you know just put bread on top of everything. Are, are are you kind of like the Norm Peterson of Cheers when you walk into Colophon? Shannon. Absolutely. I actually did one of those to one of the the hostesses the other day. I'm like, can I have table sixty one, please? And she says, Oh, we kind of hold those. And I'm like, I know people. Can I have Table 61, please. I'm a big deal. Indeed. We'll, 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 we'll talk to the cauliflower. Get table 61 reserved. Right. And I also love a good bolifa. Oh, yes. Yes. Got a couple of yeah. those places around. There's a couple of fantastic ones in town. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I don't know if this ever occurs in your life, but let's just say hypothetically, work gets really to be a stress ball. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, like, you know, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where in Bellingham or Whatcom County would you go to de-stress, disengage, decelerate, pause, reflect, recharge? Absolutely. Um, if it is a no plan and not something that I need at this moment, I get to the water. I go down to Boulevard. I go down to Marine Park. I will um, head down to the Bellwether, actually. They have a beautiful path that is always really lovely to walk. Swanage is a secret weapon of Bellingham. We don't want to make it too popular. And and I love to go from from Bellwether up to Swanage. Like, that is a great walk when you're feeling like your shoes are comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely get to water. And I like salt water. 
I, I love a good lake, mm-hmm. but I feel like the salt water will take more of my stress away. All right. Um, if I'm... If I'm able to plan de-stressing, I go see my acupuncturist, whom I love, or I'll go float at um, Still Life. I love to float. I have yeah. I have uh, had that experience. Yeah, it's phenomenal. They're my massage place, and also I just oh, down there at the Bellwether. Yeah, down there at Bellwether. Very yeah. cool. So, uh, uh, last tough question, mm-hmm. at least for okay. uh, what's on the top Ooh, of my head. Okay. What does Bellingham need more of? What do we need more of? What does Bellingham need more of? Ooh, little less judgment, little more compassion. Okay. Yeah. That almost sounds like the Elvis song. It it almost does, right? <laughs> it's and it's it's not that we need more, but we need less with more. Mm-hmm. If we can pull some of the, because I believe so strongly in what I believe in, that means that you're wrong if you disagree with me. Well, how about I believe so strongly in what I believe in, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Not just to be right and wrong, but to be right and compassionate. Um, I really love the concept of sharing the idea and having discussion. And I will always respect someone for having a different view. Mm -hmm. I may not agree with the view, but if you have a different view than me and we can sit down and have a conversation about what our viewpoints are and we can walk away saying, I still really like you. I don't agree on that point, but I still see that you're a good person. It makes me love and respect you that much more. Maybe even over a bowl of pho. I hope so. Noodles make a, a good equalizer. That's a great that's a great tagline for some right? of those places around. Yes, and don't wear your white shirt. <laughs> well said. I'm a I'm a sloppy eater. Very cool. <laughs> Sounds good. So, uh, this has been wonderful, Shannon. Uh, if if someone was to want to uh, do research on you yes. uh, on the web, uh, how would you suggest they uh, stalk you in a good way? Oh, good stalking. Um, I have I like my Facebook presence. I, okay. I a couple of years ago decided to have that Facebook presence of if my friend's grandma saw me, would I be okay? Hmm. So you can stalk me on. Facebook a little bit. I am also tallredheadgirl.com. 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 Um, I'm a wedding officiant as well yes. as event MC. And there's not a whole robust bit in there, but there's a couple of fantastic photos that uh, should be viewed. Yeah. Uh, that had about a wedding officiant. Was there, mm-hmm. uh, so pop quiz. Love. Uh, in, in the ones that you've officiate, officiated, yes. uh, was there one that stuck out as like, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life? Was there a moment or a particular, without naming names, mm-hmm. uh, was there a particular ceremony that you officiated that was like, this is uh, what makes it all worthwhile? Um, one of my couples, not so much their ceremony, but their story was phenomenal. They, uh, they wanted an intimate wedding. They wanted to get married up on Lummi Island, mm-hmm. and they're, uh, they live down in Seattle. I got the call in... July for an October wedding. I'm like, yeah, I'm available. Let's meet next time you're up in in Bellingham. And um, we'll just see if we're a good fit for each other. Fabulous. So we met, we had a date set for a couple of weeks later to meet. And they came to the restaurant that I was meeting them at. And I got a call that morning from her saying, "Um, we have a toddler with us. Is that okay? I said, oh yeah, you know, it's a restaurant. That's Mm -hmm. fine. And they bring in this little two-year-old guy. And I looked and I'm like, that's not your friend's child. And she says, no, no. This is now our child. So they were a couple in their early 40s, and uh, they had no kids. This is his cousin, I believe it was, that was in foster, and that foster situation had just failed. Mm -hmm. And they got a call on Monday, and they picked him up on Friday. So they now have a two-year-old. Wow. And we're sitting here having a visit to make Mm -hmm. sure that, you know, that I'm going to be a good fit for them, and they're going to be a good fit for me. And then I looked at her, and I said, you're pregnant. And she said, I am Nobody knew she was early. She was early pregnant. Well, again, second marriage for both of them Mm -hmm. in their early 40s. Their intention was that they would get married and and try start trying for kiddos right away. So eight weeks later, 
her dress still fit and she was in her second trimester and uh, I got to marry them down on the beach and they now have two sons and a new home and two new cars and they kept their dogs of what they brought into their relationship originally they kept their dogs but I still get Christmas cards from them and I get to see the boys now and it, it it is absolutely the story of when when you find your right person yep. and the pieces start to fall into place and saying yes to something mm-hmm. because their son that they the, their son that came to them is a gorgeous little dude now and just doing phenomenally well. Wonderful, yeah. What a wonderful story. Yeah. Thank you for saying yes to this interview and joining us on the Bellingham Podcast. Uh, continued success in your financial advising, uh, event emceeing, and also tallredheadgirl.com uh, for whatever you have coming up in 2020. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Indeed. Yes, indeed. That was a, I so enjoyed that conversation. Uh, thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us here on the show. Continued success with your financial awesomeness. And Daisy Pucklehoffing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Want to make mention again, uh, for those of you that would like to help out a worthy nonprofit here in town, uh, LydiaPlace.org. Check out this website. They have an upcoming uh, uh, event called Bowling for Beds. It's one of their fundraisers that they have during the year. It's going to be a 20th century bowling uh, right in the left ventricle of downtown Bellingham, Friday, March 27th from 4.30 to 7.30. And bear in mind, do keep an eye on their website because as things advance, we, this may be delayed or put onto a different date. Yes. But, so, uh, but for all intents and purposes, at least at the time of this recording, it is still on. What a wonderful way to be able to th- huck a f- 12, 14, or 16-pound object through a bunch of inanimate objects to get your aggressions out from being cooped up all this time. Dude, that is what, I mean, geeks, we are always good and game for bowling. Do you know why? Why? Because it's something that we can take three fingers and do other than control alt delete. <laughs> well said. <laughs> anyway, as we as we approach March 27th, check out LydiaPlace.org uh, for uh, more information as the event approaches. Bowling for Beds, March 27th, 4.30 to 7.30 at 20th Century Bowling. AJ, let's stick a fork in the show. And that Picklehoff wraps up for this edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us wherever you like to get your podcast. Remember, if you're in the Bellingham area, wash your hands and listen to us on KMRE 102.3 FM. They're completely sanitized on KMRE.org on Saturdays at 3 p.m., especially when they air our show. Yep. From the Purell City by the Salish Sea, I am AJ Barsay. And uh, I am Chris Powell. Thank you once again for joining us on this clean version of the Bellingham Podcast. Stay healthy. You stay healthy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>